This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. By our worship team, a little bit different set, just because a little light on the band, but it was still awesome worship. A little different here. Give them a hand. Really well, really well done. Before we start this morning, I just want to make you aware that perhaps, you know, there was a reason maybe why we didn't have CR this coming Thursday, because there was a member of our church who actually worked a lot with me in getting CR started, who passed away this past week, and his celebration and memorial service will be Thursday evening. And from 4 until 6 will be a visitation here, and the service will be at 6 if you'd like to join us or celebrate with his family about his homecoming that day. Um, Just wanted you to be aware of that. Life's challenges, as Pastor Stephen said. Some of us come with joy, some of us come with pain. He was one of my best friends, and so it's been a challenging week. Let's just say that. But from here, the Lord has something a little bit different for us this morning. A little bit different. But before we start, let me pray. Father, I just come before you so thankful, Lord, for your house, for your people, for your word, for your church, for our worship team, for our teachers in the, in the youth area, for our AV, our greeters, our ushers, our cafe people. Lord, this makes up a real family, a body of Christ. And Lord, we just come before you and we celebrate together. And, Lord, we're going to ask that your word goes forth and touches hearts as a two-edged sword. And, Lord, challenges some, encourages others. But, Lord, let your word have its way. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk to you about real freedom. Oftentimes, real freedom to be lived here on this earth, but yet to being able to lay up some eternal freedom, some eternal treasures for us. Oftentimes, as Americans, we understand freedom. We know freedom came with a price. It was often paid for by somebody's blood to defend our shores or to gain the freedom that we might need to have here on this earth. We understand spiritual freedom, the freedom that is found as we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and come into relationship with him. And we understand, bless you, that there is freedom to be received through salvation and through the forgiveness of sins. But the real freedom, even if there's a freedom that I want to talk to you about, even after you come to Christ, there's a step, there's some areas that sometimes so many of us as believers, we continue to have different crutches, different little hang-ups, different little areas of the heart that just doesn't get quite surrendered, or we don't come in line with God's word. And then sometimes we begin to wonder why some blessings aren't happening in our lives, or why more progress isn't happening. And I'm going to challenge you from the word. There's some things that will, when you begin to understand this little freedom, not only will it make a difference here on this earth for your life, for your family, but you begin to lay up treasures and and heavenly places on the other side that many of us don't even begin to focus on because here's what happens to our lives. We begin so busy, you know, as young adults, we have children, we have jobs, we have careers. Some of us are going to school. Some of us are just busy doing life challenges, circumstances, then sometimes some illnesses blindside us. Sometimes maybe the word called divorce or some marriage troubles blindside us. Issues and problems of life occur. 
and we have our challenges, we have our issues, and sometimes those old crutches, even though we're walking in the Lord, we have the spiritual freedom of eternity as ours, there's still sometimes a little area of the heart that has not been turned over, and we wonder why there's some areas that we're not walking in the spiritual freedom or in the truths or in the promises of the word. And I want to try and help us understand that little truth this morning because I guarantee you, don't check out. This is not going to be a salvation message. And Pastor Derek will be back next week to continue the Real Life series. Um, I only get to do a series on Tuesday nights starting in October. Very seldom, or it's been a long time since I've done a series here on a, Sunday, on a weekend. So this is a one and done. I get a chance to talk to you about your spiritual freedom of your heart. And so I guess I better connect the way it needs to be connected to get this done. Anyhow, it's, it's an area that is challenging, it's difficult, but yet it's in the word that needs to be dealt with now and then. And so, you know, understand one thing, salvation is real. Acts 16.31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You see, the process of salvation, the process of accepting Christ, we need to begin to believe in our mind and then ask for him to come into our heart and forgive the sins. It's a process. And everything that's a spiritual freedom starts with the heart being changed. When the heart is changed with the spiritual freedom that we're going to be talking to you about, things begin to change in your life and in my life and in the life of our church and the life and we'll be able to walk in that real spiritual freedom and experience real life from God's perspective. Now, heaven is real. Hell is real. Eternity is real. And oftentimes, we don't focus on that last part of our spiritual freedom, of eternity. You know, it's, sometimes it's just we get so busy with life that we begin to not always focus on sometimes the end or where is our next chapter. And that's why there's a whole group starting here in our church called The Next Chapter. We're not going to focus on croaking. We're, we're, we're going to focus on living and doing it right and learning how to mentor others and raise others up to come alongside us and empower the body of Christ. And we're going to have a good laugh and we're going to have some fun. That's the purpose of fellowship. That's the purpose of family. And it's going to be good. But understand, there is eternity somewhere. And sometimes that concept, I can't even sometimes wrap my arms around it because we tend to think in what I have to do today, what I have to do this week, what the few little plans are out a month from now, even a year or two. But, you know, as I get to where I'm at, you know, sometimes the, the, the discussions occur, how much is enough? You know, when will there be enough in the bank to be able to retire? And then Mike will have the thought, well, even if there's enough money in the bank, will I ever quit doing what I'm doing? You know, probably not. I, you know, maybe the salary might stop, or maybe I pick and choose my hours, but I believe that I'll always be doing something. It's just who I am. And I've, I've, over the years, I've seen, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just how it should be, I believe, when we're part of family, whether I'm serving my family, whether I'm serving your church family, whether I'm serving the extended body of Christ, there will be something for me to do. And I just look forward to those options. And then there will be that time in eternity. And what will matter in eternity is what kind of treasure I laid up on the other side while I was here. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit. And if you need a title for this message, because we are going to be talking about the topic of money. Very, very challenging topic that's not real popular in church. 
But the process, if you need a title for your message, it's going to be Money Answers Real Life. Now, one thing that I thought was really, in fact, as I kind of went to put this message together a couple weeks ago, I did so, I, after I even wrote the outline out, I thought, oh, maybe let's scratch that. I'm not sure if our church really wants to, if I, if I should go there. And I began to pray about it. And then I decided, okay, Lord, if this is what you gave me, I'm going to go with it and put the balance of it together. And so I did. This past week, even though I was on vacation, Mark, who does my... What was Thursday? The message was give this past week. And this past week, Trenton did a stewardship message at 180. And so our entire church is, you know, obviously the ministries heard from the Holy Spirit this past week on what was to be taught. And so that just affirmed that I was listening when, when we had those discussions this morning to know that we were all focusing on our different little parts with the same thing, to have the body be whole. And so it's good. So Luke... Chapter 12, oftentimes we don't talk about this as a money scripture. I'll get to the money scriptures a little later. But here's going to be part of where our fear and worries tend to go. You know money's one of our number one worries. Money's number, one of our number one reasons for divorce. So if you want to walk in some spiritual freedom, we need to understand it from God's perspective. Luke chapter 12, verse 25 through 34 says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? How many of us spend needless, what he's simply trying to teach us there, we spend needless amount of time worrying about situations, about things, about things that we have, things that we don't have, things that we need. And yet it's not going to change one minute, one hour, or one day of our life by worrying. And don't tell me that worrying doesn't work because I've done enough of it and proved that it doesn't change a thing. And so, you know, it's, we've all been probably proved that theory correct. The next verse, it says, Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Why? Jesus is trying to ask us those questions. And then he goes on to say, Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. You see, worry is the opposite of faith. Faith is the opposite of worry. Activate your faith. When your faith is weak, you need hope. Hope activates your faith. So always return to hope when your faith is weak and chase the worry bird away, okay? And the, verse, the passage continues, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan runs after all such things, and your father knows that you will need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Or you could learn how to paraphrase the scripture. Do not be afraid, little family. Do not be afraid, little church. And we're not a little church anymore, but you know, use the, use the, use the word family then, where you see flock. Or church, or, you know, just but begin to understand how to make that word personal, how to apply it to your life. And then, and then he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purse for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes, nor no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How about we do a link group sign up where you're going to sell your possessions and give to the poor? Who wants to attend? <laughs> You know, that's not, a, that's not 
a really good class to want to lead. I don't think I'll even want to sign up or attend it myself. You know, uh, uh, we all need to be called to do what we can do. But yet, the word there says, are we laying up treasures for eternal, eternity, where the thief can't steal, where the moth can't corrupt? That was the summary there. And yet we worry about our basic needs today because we're human. Because oftentimes we think in the flesh and yet we need to understand the spiritual truth or the spiritual freedom to be able to walk in what God has for us here and be able to set some things aside for the future. And, you know, when you understand your finances from God's perspective, you're living in such a manner that you're walking in a spiritual freedom that, you, that will bless you here and begin to bless all of eternity in your life. You know, oftentimes money is not a popular topic in church, as I said before. I've, I've, I know a, I've got a lot of friends in some denominational churches. I've lived in this community all my life, so I know a lot of people. And here's some things that I hear from some of our denominational, my denominational friends, and I'm not, don't hear me picking on any one denomination. Perhaps some of you came from there, and I've heard that from some of you as well. At the end of the year, the church has set their budgets, and then the first part of the year, you get a letter from the church, is what you are expected to contribute to that church in order to meet their budget. I've heard many people get such letters like that. And then what happens is about halfway through the year, the bulletin, the announcements, the sermons, the, all begins to happen. And our budgets are short. Our needs aren't being met. You need to give more. And that begins to turn people off. And it begins to challenge people the wrong way because then you're not walking in spiritual freedom with your money. Money's beginning to control the show. And then guess what happens? I hear some people, then they get a bill. And it says, you're behind on how much you were supposed to have given according to the budget we set for you. And is that spiritual freedom or spiritual leadership? So forgive me, Lord, if I'm picking on some of your denominational churches. Here's what will happen here as we talk about the spiritual freedom. Oftentimes we talk about tithes and offerings here in our church. I'm going to help you understand God's financial plan. The difference between a tithe and offering and how these things work and how they will work in your life to bring about a blessed life, to bring about laying up some treasure in eternity that the thief can't steal, that the moth can't corrupt. And when we understand these things, that's when we walk in spiritual freedom, family. That's when we have real life, real life spiritual freedom and things begin to change here and now. It'll begin to make a huge difference in our church. It'll make a huge difference in your life. Oftentimes, I, have you ever heard that money talks? You, know, you want to go buy something and cash is king? Well, you know, there, there, there's times in, in, in my life where it seemed like well, there just wasn't always a lot of finances. And it seemed like whenever the checks were going to come in on Friday, one, one event, but every day the mailman brought the bills, they began to pile up, and pretty soon my money, even though the check came in, I look at the check and I look at the bills and the money talks and it says so long, see you later. 
And at that point, you know, was I really walking in spiritual freedom? I was walking in the understanding of the word, but I still wasn't walking in the blessing that the word said for me or that he had for me. And there's a difference. And I'm going to tell you in the end a huge mistake that I made in my spiritual freedom walk. And some of you, I challenge you to not make that same mistake. You see, learn from some of bless you. I'm getting a lot of blessings in here this morning. But I'm going to, you know, there's so many months I can remember living paycheck to paycheck. Juggling this bill, juggling that bill. Paying this one, letting that one go. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. In fact, I even thought at one time, if it was legal to do, I'd need to find Paul and try and rob him because he's getting all the money. You know, it's just something that sometimes that runs through my mind. I'm a little weird one now and then. But it is what it is. And here's, here's how, what most likely happened. Maybe there would be a month where you got a third check. Or you got a really nice tax return. Or some unexpected gift from somebody. Here's what would oftentimes happen in my house until I understood that spiritual freedom principle. I'd just be able to think I'm able to lay something aside or set something aside. The muffler would fall off. The dog would bite. The bee would sting. The doorbell rings and the bills came. And here again, my money screams out, so long, see ya. Your plan is over. I don't know if your household's ever experienced that or ever, ever walked that, that same journey as me. I hope not. But if you have, I want to talk to you about that spiritual freedom principle because I think far too many people stay stuck in that syndrome of bills, money, never enough money. Enough bills. Now what are we going to do? How are things going to ever change for my family? The Bible says find out where a man spends his money and you'll find out where his heart is. If you looked in my checkbook right now, you'd see there was, in the last month, there's probably quite a bit of money spent in Door County. There's money given to Word of Grace. There's money spent on family. And due to the time of the year, there will money have been spent at Gander Mountain, Cabela's, or Sportsman Warehouse. It is what it is. It's the time of the year for me to get some new gear. You know? I'm walking in that spiritual freedom of blessing, saying, Lord, thank you. I was able to pay cash and not put it on the credit. Uh, and so that is a good thing. Um, Jesus urges us to lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven. And this is how Mike tends to think. You know, when I think of eternity, sometimes I begin to visualize it in things and passages that I can understand and grasp right now. And here's what Mike thinks. And you can, don't find this in the Bible, but this is where, how I record things in my mind. I think God has a 401k for me on the other side. You see, each time that you begin to participate, this is how Mike thinks, each time that I participate in a tithe or an offering, God is saying, okay, there's a hundred, you, you gave a hundred, there's a thousand in your bank account up there. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a million every time you give a hundred. I don't know what, uh, we're really not going to have need of money, but he says to lay up treasure in eternity. You know, I've got to have something, I've got to have at least have a gold card to get to Starbucks up there when I'm there. You know, there's got to be something going on. Um, anyhow, here's another thing. It's not just about money. Each time you pray for somebody, there's a deposit. Each time you mow somebody's grass that needed help, bring them soup, begin to pray for them, begin to care for them. Each time that perhaps that you volunteer and serve somewhere in one of the ministries at church here, 
Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You're laying up treasures in heaven that the moth can't corrupt, that the thief can't take away. Did you ever think about that? That's how Mike begins to think about some of these weird things when I have to analyze what's going on in eternity. You can let your mind run there. Don't, don't say that this is a spiritual truth because when you get to heaven, don't ask Jesus, where's your account? Okay? They'll guide you down to the cottage or the mansion. It's one, one or the other. But here's one thing that I know about eternity. The lowliest position in heaven is better than the best position in hell. And so understand that. There's eternal spiritual truths in this process, and there's spiritual freedom to be gained when you understand how God would have you work with your money. Now, here's the first point. Some things money can't buy. I all understand, a lot of us would all understand, life could be better with just a little bit more money. There's no doubt. You can buy more. You can do more. You can have more. But money is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all. And there's a huge difference. God's not against you being blessed. God's not against you having something a little more than perhaps somebody else does. But it's what you begin to do with it that begins to determine whether you're laying up eternal treasure and walking in spiritual freedom or whether you're staying stuck in that heartfelt selfishness of greed. That's what it comes down to. There's a difference, and a huge difference. Here's one thing money can't buy. Money cannot buy you friends. Oh, people try. You can just go to the book, Luke, I think it's the 12th or 15th chapter, somewhere in there, the prodigal story. I want to tell it to you from a different story. Again, Mike thinks a little different. We're going to hear the story from God's perspective, from the Wisconsin Bible, Book of, book of Badger, 72nd chapter. <laughs> and there's two sons who are growing up on a central dairy farm, central part of Wisconsin State. Huge dairy farm. It's been in the family for a couple of generations. And these sons, they're busy helping dad work and milk the cows, take care of the crops, do the fields, and just continue to see this farm be successful. And the one brother, every day, he goes out to the barn, and I've got to milk them cows, got to shovel that crap, got to feed them. Oh, this, is, oh, this stinks. What a stinky, awful future I have. The other brother embraces it and loves it. Finally, the one that was sick of it, and he had to go in the bullpen, and he said to his brother, this is a bunch of bull, and there's no pun intended. I'm going to go talk to my dad. I'm out of here. So he goes and talks to his dad. He says, Dad, just give me my inheritance. I'm done doing this stinky, rotten, barn-smelling work. And this is a time, there's a time like that for every one of you who are parents, either if you have teenagers or young adults, where as a parent, you'd love to have a heartfelt conversation with your son or daughter, be able to let them know the error of their choices. And then there's times where, because of tough love, we have to let them go, experience the school of hard knocks before they'll really listen to the advice or counsel that we may have been able to share with them. And so the son goes out, he gets his money. The first thing he does, he stops by Ernie Von Schlater and picks up a Corvette, uh, or, yeah, Corvette with a convertible. Then he stops off at the Cadillac dealer and gets an Escalade for the winter. Then he heads to the east side of Milwaukee, gets in the high towers, rents a whole top for a great suite. Then he gets down on Water Street and meets all the babes from Marquette and, 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 you know, um, and UW Milwaukee and begins to throw party after party. And he had drugs, alcohol, women, 
great time, the, the vices, the pleasures of this world. One day he wakes up and there's nobody in the bed with him, nobody in the room with him. There's a pounding on the door. He goes, opens the door, and the landlord says, get out. You're evicted. You did, your lease wasn't paid. Your check wasn't good. What? He gets up, gets some clothes together, walks down, goes to get in his Escalade. Just as he's going to it, a tow truck comes up, pulls it away. Check wasn't good. Payment wasn't good. No, he walks down to the restaurant to get some breakfast. Goes in. He sees some of his buddies. Oh, he looks in the pockets. No money. Well, maybe one of my buddies will buy breakfast for me. They all leave. You see, money cannot buy friends that will stick by you in the end when hard times come on your life. When you're laying up treasures that make a difference, when you're walking in the spiritual freedom plan that God has for your life, for your future family, that's when people will stick by you, closer than a real brother. A church family that will grab a hold of and help and bless you again and help just see things, see you through the, the dark side of life. That's real life. That's real family. That's real freedom. Money doesn't buy reputation or character. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. It's a great challenge to build character. Good character follows an individual. Good character comes out of another heart choice. You see, when you define character, it's simply this, a heart choice. And it follows you. It goes with you. It builds upon what is going on in your life. You can only look and no further than Hollywood. You know, there the reputation is built upon the big screen, either movies or music, and glamour and glitz. The popularity wears thin as somebody ages, or there's the newest or most more beautiful woman comes on, or a better actor or whatever, or the newest, greatest gadget comes along, and that popularity, that fan club lasts only for a season where good character, a heart choice, goes with you not only wherever you go, it can never be taken from you, and it only grows and it begins to lay up treasure in all of eternity and follows you and will not leave you on a whim, but it continues to edify you and build you up and support you. And we need to understand how to walk in that freedom. And so here's your next point. This is God's financial plan. Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's God's financial plan. If you look at the screen with me, here's a process of the tithe. So, you, so your paycheck is $1,000, 10%. You see, I'm going to help you understand two words from this passage. The tithe and the storehouse. You need to understand what those are in order to understand the spiritual freedom. The tithe represents 10%. Some of you would say, oh boy, 100 bucks? You know, I might not be able to eat this month. Well, then try two. God's word says, test me. Do you believe his word is true? Do you believe his, that the salvation that you received is real? You see, God's financial plan challenges us, tests us, and it will bless you. I'm not going to teach you that you need to give so that you can get, get. You'll find that was the wrong message that I lived under for a lot of years. But so many of us, when we're not experiencing some of the blessings that we thought 
we should be walking in. Understand, this is, this is God's, God's word. It says, right, and I want you to understand the, the history of the tithe a little bit. It was established in the Old Testament, understand that, even Cain and Abel, the first brothers, brought their offerings to God. And in Genesis 14, 20, it says, Abraham gave a tithe of all of his increase. And then there's another passage in the Bible that says, Melchizedek, if I can pronounce his name, gave a tithe of all of his increase. And he was a foreshadowing in the Old Testament of the coming of Christ. And then in the Levitical law, it talked about the tithe as a way of being able to take care of the church and the ministry and the temple. And then in Malachi, which is the last chapter before we move into the New Testament, these words that we just read. And then you can move into the New Testament, and Jesus supports the tithe in his teaching. Over 50% of the parables that Christ talked about was this spiritual freedom, this spiritual truth. Over 50% of his parables he taught about money. And so I challenge you, if you're a tither, this message is to support where you are at life. If you're not, this message is to challenge you to read the scriptures, understand the word, and begin to say, yes, Lord, I'll have a heart surrendered, and I'll walk in that spiritual freedom that Pastor Mike was talking about, that your word says. We need to understand the, the word storehouse. There's three kinds of storehouses that are talked about in the Bible. The first one is found in Psalm 33, verse 7, and it's God's storehouse. Guess where God's storehouse is if you go read that? you'll find it's at the bottom of the deep of the oceans. It says that's where God stores up the water in the deepness of the oceans. The second storehouse that's being talked about in the Bible and it's being talked about in this passage of Scripture is man's storehouse. You can go read the story of Joseph. Joseph built all kinds of huge storehouses for the seven good years to take care of the seven famine years. Go back, I purposely did not read verse 24 of Luke chapter 12 because there it talked about man's storehouse. To have set aside some provision so that would ease your worries. It would help activate your faith to know that there's a little something to fall back on. Man, I challenge you. We need to have a storehouse. You need to have a plan. So, okay, this was, this was what I was taught by my parents when I was a kid. My first little paycheck. $45. My mom said you should round it up to 5 bucks. I'm thankful that I had parents that took me to church that even taught me about the tithing process, although it was taught incorrectly. My understanding, at least, was incorrectly. But she said you probably should put $5 in. Now, understand, here's the difference. Anytime that if, you're, if your paycheck was 1000 and you put in 50 bucks that week, that's not a tithe, that's an offering. Anything above 100 anything below 100 is an offering. Let's understand the difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe comes into the local storehouse, and that's the third area that's being talked about in this book. The local storehouse or the local temple is the church. It says bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That means the tithes, your tithe comes into the church. Here's my understanding, and I challenge any of you to find a different scripture that will support your viewpoint. I don't believe it's, you should be designating a tithe. I believe you can designate your offerings. The tithe is to be written out and to be given to the church in which you are a member or you attend. Offerings can be designated, given to a different ministry even. 
or offerings are simply put in as an offering to your local church, however you choose to do it. Anything less than the tithe, anything more than the tithe is an offering. Understand the difference between tithes and offerings so you can understand spiritual freedom. That's real life, folks. Here's what happens. Even as the offerings and tithes comes into our church, our church pay, sends out a tithe. We support, we take 10% of that and we send off to various ministries, various entities that we feel are doing the kingdom's work to continue to pass the blessing along, to continue to fuel and lead God's kingdom, God's growth. And here's one thing that I promise you will never get from this church is a letter saying how much you need to give or a bill saying that you did not give enough. And eternally, Pastor Derek, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Keith, and myself, we say thank you because the tithes and offerings take care of our 180, our celebrate recovery, our youth, pays our bills, pays our salaries, and we're very grateful and thankful. Thank you for what you do because that allows us to continue to have impact in this community, continue to plan to do missions, to send out others, to have life-changing impact upon the community. And therefore, each one of you have a part in laying up treasure on the other side. Here's, here's 1 Samuel 30, 24. Here's what it says. But as his part who goes down to the battle so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So whether you're doing this, whether you're giving this amount, whether you're giving the, a different amount, whether you're volunteering here, whether you're volunteering there, what you do, it's saying, is that you shall share in like amount on your acts of service on what you do in your 401k because you're laying up treasures that'll be eternal on the other side. We share together. We share together. That's the word. Begin to understand the word. Begin to live and walk in spiritual freedom and watch how your life can be changed. The most common excuses that I hear, here's, here's our, our last point. Are you walking in the spiritual freedom of God's financial plan? The most common excuses that I hear is, well, if I gave the hundred, if that's all I got, had was a thousand, there's no way I can eat that month. Well, I understand that. That can be a challenge to start out doing that. But you have to go back. Do you understand what the Word says? Do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's God's Word? You see, it comes down to a heart choice. You will not, if you're not a tither, you will not grab a hold of this message unless you ask God to change your heart. So my challenge to you is, is if you are not part of God's financial plan in his kingdom to go back and study the scriptures that I talked about or go study the scriptures in the Bible and I challenge you to pray this week. I challenge you to pray and ask him to change your life. You want to see relationships begin to change? You want to see your finances begin to change? In Malachi 3.8 it says, test me in this. It says, you have robbed me, family, of my tithes and offerings or of the tithes because you have not grabbed a hold of that spiritual freedom. And then the next big question that I hear when I talk to people about that is, well, that was Old Testament. Yes, it was Old Testament. All the way from Genesis right through Malachi, it was Old Testament. Did you want to take our, each of our Bibles today and let's just rip out that half and throw it away? Or is it still God's word? And Jesus still supported and talked about the tithe when he talked about it in his principles, in his parables. It's a heartfelt spiritual freedom 
I challenge you, if you're not participating in it, go back and study them and begin to pray and ask God, when is it my time to join the family in real life freedom and walking in the spiritual freedom of your word? And with that comes an opportunity for the, God, for the promise. It says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room to contain it. And here is how Mike lived. Even though I was taught that when I was 15 years old, I got my first paycheck from my parents. You see, this is then what I heard from my mom. Well, one of these days, my shipper is going to come in. You know, some of those old time. And I'm thinking, well, what does this mean? One of these days, our ship is going to come in. And we, we, we live 15 blocks away from the lake. We don't have a boat. We don't have a dock. And one of these days, our ship is going to come in. Simply made no spiritual or common sense at all in my mind. But you know what I understood? If I give, I'll get. That's what I understood. And that's corrupted my line of my heart for a long while. You do not give to get. You give because it's already God's. Understand, the, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. He already owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. It is already his. It is not mine. I'm giving it, returning it to him because he has blessed me to have that thousand. Or blessed me to have ten thousand, write out the check for one. That gets fun when God blesses you to the, some of the bigger numbers. It really gets fun to be able to write those type of checks out. You know, until I understood, I understood those freedoms. Yeah, I had a good business, a good income, and we tithe, but we lost everything eventually due to an illness. God is a God of restoration. God is a God of hope. And I still had to hang on to those foundations. And during the process of my own restoration, uh, there was a heart change. And we had built a new house, and three or four years later, it was gone. It took about 10 years for things to be restored, but we went from a house that was like 1,200 square feet to a house that's 3,600 square feet to also having an additional condo that's paid for in Door County. And I make less today than what I made in the 80s. So how does God do that? Huh? You tell me. God is a God of blessing. God is a God of hope. Are you working and living in the spiritual freedom of God's financial plan? Bow your heads. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.